Why are skeletons always so calm? I don't know why. Nothing gets under their skin. It's time for the children's hour. Kids Public Radio. from One Little Song Can Change the World with Skin right there on the Children's Hour. I'm Katie Stone. You're listening to the Children's Hour today, and we are with a bunch of kids at the Outpost Performance Space and on Zoom. Who do we have with us today? Hello, it's Nina. Hello, it's Amadeus. Hi, it's Joe. 
Hi, it is Corbett. Hi, it's Kodiak. Hello, it's Cade. Hi, it's Max. Hi, it's Lucas D. Hi, it's Lily May. Hi, it's Jude. Hi, it's Kybia. Hi, it's Amaya. Well, thank you all so much for being here today on the Children's Hour. We have a pretty exciting show. We're going to be talking about the largest organ on our body, skin. There's so much to think about skin, both as an organ and part of our body and how it works, but also how other people think about skin and why skin is so important to some people. Two of our guests have just written a book called It's Just Skin, Silly, Dr. Nina Jablonski and Dr. Holly McGee. And we're going to be also visiting with a pediatric dermatologist named Dr. Adnan Mir. We're going to cover the skin from all different angles. This show also comes with one of our signature learn-along guides. It's digital and meets and cites educational standards. For educators in our audience, you can use the Children's Hour in the classroom. We can't wait to dig right into skin, but before we get there, this is from the Grammy-nominated Hip Hop for Kids. DJ Willy Wow, right here on the Children's Hour. Have you ever opened a fresh box of crayons? There's so many beautiful colors to choose from. I think I'll start with this one.
listening to the Children's Hour. And with us on the show today are the two authors of It's Just Skin Silly. It's a brand new book for kids that talks about skin and its history in our world. And why we have to talk about skin and history is something we'll explore. Historian Dr. Holly McGee is with us. She's out of the University of Cincinnati. Welcome to the Children's Hour, Dr. McGee. Thank you so much for having us. And Dr. Nina Jablonski is an anthropologist. Welcome to the Children's Hour, Dr. Jablonski. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. It's great to be on the Children's Hour. It's really great to have you both. So you've written a book about skin, but you're not skin doctors. Tell us why you wrote this book. Well, skin doctors come in all shapes and sizes, Katie, and I am a doctor of skin evolution. So there are dermatologists who actually deal with skin diseases, but I deal with what makes skin the way it is and why we have the skin that we have. So I'm a doctor just of a different form. And I guess if you want to think about it, I'm a doctor of thinking about skin. How do we think about skin? All of the things that you might necessarily not say out loud, but you internalize and you wonder, why do you think these ways about skin? We all approach skin from a different way, but Dr. Jablonski is right. We're all skin doctors of a different sort. What is the book that you guys wrote about? (laughs) It is a wonderful symphony of a story because it is about the evolution and meaning of skin color. But it's really about this wonderful character called Epidermis. Epi is this ever-changing form that is skin. So it's about what makes human skin human. And that includes why we have skin that comes in different colors. That's pretty cool. Why do we have skin in different colors? The short story is that our ancestors came from places that had sun of different intensities. The amount of natural sunscreen that we have in our skin, the pigment melanin, is related to the strength of the sunlight. More pigment went with stronger sunlight. Less pigment went with lesser, weaker sunlight. And it was really just that simple. If dark skin is beneficial, does it take up added energy? Why would um, ancestors who move to places with less sun lose it? That is an excellent question. Because as some human groups moved outside of tropical areas where the sun is really strong, we actually lost one of the important benefits of sun exposure. Most of the sun's rays, well, most of the high-intensity rays are really damaging, but we need a little bit of ultraviolet B radiation in order to make vitamin D in our skin. And so as some groups moved out to different places in the world where the sun is much weaker, the ultraviolet B radiation became much weaker also. And what that meant was losing our pigment because we really no longer needed it, but we needed to be able to produce vitamin D from the available ultraviolet radiation. 
Mm. There's so much social stuff attached to skin, and it seems so ridiculous that it boils down to just how much sunshine your culture has traditionally been exposed to. What gives, and is that going away, and when does that go away? Thank you so much for that question. There is so much unnecessary meaning that is put into or put onto skin color. One of the great things that Epi says in the book is that someone's skin color can only tell you where their ancestors have come from. It can't tell you anything else about them. It can't tell you if they're nice, if they're mean. It can't tell you if they're fast, if they're smart, anything like that. It's just our ancestors lived in a world where people put too much meaning on skin color. And unfortunately, it has taken a very long time in not just our society here in the United States, but around the world for people to break away and say, that's just a silly idea. And so I feel like we're slowly, slowly breaking away from it. But I honestly believe that this generation of young people and books like It's Just Skin Silly, these are the types of things that are going to make a difference for the next generation because these ideas, they have to go away They are outdated ideas, and now is the time for us to make a change for the better. Today in the Children's Hour, we're learning about our skin. It's the biggest organ in our body, and we rarely think of skin as an organ in and of itself, but we have a lot more to learn. Our guests, Dr. Nina Jablonski and Dr. Holly McGee, their new book, It's Just Skin Silly, is designed for elementary age kids to really learn about the skin on themselves and also the story of the skin on ourselves and each other and what that means in the world around us. There's more to learn with Dr. Jablonski and Dr. McGee right after this. Oh, epidermis, epidermis, what on earth is epidermis? Epidermis is another word for skin. It can get hot and sweaty, goosebump cold. It's waterproof, the truth be told. It may be smooth, it might be hairy. Either way, it's necessary skin. Oh, epidermis, epidermis, what does yours look like, my friend? Take a look at your wonderful skin. Is it white or peach, a little speckled tan? Brown or black, there's just no doubt it's beautiful skin. Now, if I'm getting scientific, epidermis is terrific. The color of it is called pigment and comes within from melanin, determining your shade of skin, which covers muscles, bones, and tissue. Without your skin, there'd be an issue. Takes its share of bumps and scrapes its skin. No matter where you're from, who you are, where you call home, there's something that we all have that's the same. Our epidermis might be different colors, mother's friends, strangers, brothers, for everyone, the name of it's the same. Oh, epidermis, epidermis, beautiful epidermis, your skin. Some skin is light, some skin is brown, some skin is white, different colors, different shades. It's part of being human, it's how we're made. My skin, it is a light, light brown, just like caramel. And caramel, it 
tastes so sweet Just try it and you'll tell So brown is sweet And I am sweet Sweet as I can be I love my skin, love my brown skin Light brown That's the color of me Whoa, whoa, oh, oh, oh My skin, it is a sandy brown It's like the lion's mane And lions, you know they're so proud Because lions rain Brown is proud, I am proud, proud as I can be. I love my skin, love my brown skin, sandy brown. That's the color of me. Whoa, whoa, oh, oh, oh. My skin is a deep, deep brown, just like a walnut tree. And trees that grow up big and strong, you really must agree. So brown is strong, and I am strong, strong as I can be. I love my skin, love my brown skin, deep brown, that's the color of me. That's what I am, it's what you see, what I show the world, and how the world sees me. My skin is a dark, dark brown, it's like a chestnut horse, horses are so beautiful, you know that's true of course, so brown's beautiful, and I'm Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated. We're a New Mexico-based nonprofit organization supported by listeners just like you. Learn more about us at childrenshour.org. The New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs supports the Children's Hour. Celebrate diverse cultural communities of New Mexico at nmculture.org. Electric Playhouse supports the Children's Hour. Find your play at Electric Playhouse in Albuquerque, New Mexico. ElectricPlayhouse.com
That was the Alphabet Rockers right here on the Children's Hour. Over the break, we had Poddington Bear, and before the break, Bunny Hall and Friends from This Little Light. You heard Sesame Street's Leela with The Color of Me, and Epidermis was Sarah Ernst. You're listening to the Children's Hour, and today we're exploring the largest organ of the human body, our skin. The kids crew are here with me at the Outpost Performance Space in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and on Zoom with our guests, Dr. Nina Jablonski and Dr. Holly McGee. Don't forget this episode comes with a learn-along guide. It meets and cites educational standards. It's great for bringing the children's hour into the classroom. Let's go over to Cade from the kids crew. So do you think that the discrimination between certain groups was because of the actual color of the skin or the cultures and ethnicities around them? This is a really great question. The notion of there being separate races, it's a fiction. If you really look at humanity, if you look at human beings, we are 98, 99% the same. A lot of these ideas came about in the 14th and the 15th century when European explorers were able to make their way across the Atlantic and go to places where there were people who looked very different from them. Unfortunately, they made observations based off of the cultures in which they lived. Because things were so very different, it just allowed an opportunity for people to make negative ideas. They projected negative ideas onto people when they didn't have correct information. And unfortunately, a lot of that just kind of filtered down through the generations. And we have been left with a lot of that negative information that we need to correct today. Why do you think it's taken so long for these negative notions about skin color to disappear? And though I will say they're still somewhat here, but I think that they're starting to go away and lessen at this point. That's a wonderful question. Thank you for that question. And if we're going to be completely honest, the reason that a lot of these ideas stuck around for so long was because, to be quite honest, these negative ideas benefited some people. 
these negative ideas justified why some people have access to better education, better homes, better jobs, things of that nature. And it really has not been until maybe our parents, our grandparents' generation, where society really had to take stock and look around and say, this simply is not right. If we are going to live in a free and equal society, then we really do need to start treating people fairly and equitably, regardless of these arbitrary things such as skin color or hair or the way people dress. Mm. What are people's motives behind judging people by their skin color? Like, I understand people do it, but I just want to know, like, why? What makes them do it? Thank you so much, Amaya, for that question. You know, there are a lot of different reasons why people judge other people based on their skin color. I can speak from personal experience. One, a lot of times when people treat you unfairly, it's because they feel badly somehow about themselves. I know it sounds kind of silly. Think about it. Imagine, Amaya, you make a really good grade on a test. You are celebrated. Someone says, oh, you did a good job. Good job. Good job. But there's someone who's standing next to you who feels jealous that they didn't get the the kudos. They didn't get patted on the back. Now, they'll never say to themselves, maybe I should just work harder. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Instead, what they'll say is they'll take the easy way out and they'll say, she got a shortcut. She cheated, right? They want to feel better about themselves. Two, sometimes people need to feel better about themselves. And so what they do is they try to make somebody else feel worse about themselves. And that is a really cowardly thing to do. But here's the thing. Here's the trick, Amaya. You have the power to recognize when this is happening in your life. You have the power to recognize when someone is being unfair to you, they're treating you a different way because maybe of your gender. You have the power to say, you don't get to treat me that way. You don't get to talk to me that way because of your perception. And you have every right to speak up for yourself. So some discrimination happens subconsciously, as in certain racial groups and people with different skin colors getting worse or better jobs. Do you think that is people being racist or just a unknown subconscious? It's like so embedded in what they do that they don't even see it anymore. Yeah, like studies have been done because I'm taking a race and ethnicities class. That's a really great question. But if you think about it, that's not really subconscious. That is an inherited legacy of discrimination, right? So let's take, for example, me. I have a PhD. Less than 2% of Black women in the United States hold a PhD. Now, does that mean that Black women are not smart enough to have PhDs? No. Well, really, what that is more an indication of is that there are structures in place that make it more difficult for Black women to succeed in particular avenues. For a very long time in the United States, there have been professions that were basically reserved for Black Americans because they were seen as non-skilled jobs or jobs that didn't have a lot of respect attached to them. And so for a long time in the United States, a lot of those jobs were either reserved for or simply ascribed to people who were non-white because it was a way of ordering society and creating different hierarchies in society. So saying that there were some people who were more important and some people who were less important. And so when you see that happening in American society today, that's just a legacy of a past way that we used to do things. But you do see this changing. People of all races, of all genders, moving into different professions and doing different jobs. And that is slowly changing. But the bias is still there. And so we have to recognize that, that the structure that Holly is talking about actually 
has become almost invisible to people because it is the structure which organized much of the modern United States as a country. These biases that sort of stick with us like ghosts of the past are something that we now can be more aware of and we can work to get rid of. Mm -hmm. Mm, Your book really helps that. It's called It's Just Skin, Silly. You're listening to the Children's Hour. Our guests you have been hearing have been Dr. Nina Jablonski and Dr. Holly McGee. They have just published a book called It's Just Skin, Silly. We're going to learn more about skin with Dr. Adnan Mir in just a moment. Thanks for being with us, Dr. McGee and Dr. Jablonski. We learned a lot from you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. You're listening to the Children's Hour, and this is the One Tribe Collective's Grammy-nominated release.
You're listening to the Children's Hour. Today, we're learning about skin. And we've been hearing about what people think about skin, but let's learn some science about skin and how we can best take care of our skin with a pediatric dermatologist. Dr. Adnan Mir, he resides in the Bronx, New York. He's at Einstein University's Montefiore Medical Center. You're with us today on the Children's Hour. Welcome to the Children's Hour, Dr. Mir. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We're really glad to have you. We've been hearing about skin in terms of its cultural and social and how people judge each other based on skin. But really, isn't everyone's skin, aside from the amount of melanin in it, pretty much the same? Yep. We all, if you look at it under a microscope, pretty much everybody's skin looks the same. Now, there are definitely people out there who have a big birthmark or who have, you know, something else that's different about their skin. But, you know, that doesn't make it bad. It just makes it different. Dr. Mir, before we jump into all our questions, describe for us really the organ of skin. We're all kind of like, really? It's an organ? It's on the outside of our body. So what makes skin skin? So skin is made up of a couple of different layers. There's the one we all know about, the epidermis, and that's made up of the, a layer of cells whose job it is to keep what's inside in and what's outside out. It forms a protective barrier between you and the outside world. Then there's other parts of the skin that start in the dermis, which is right beneath the epidermis. And the dermis is where your sweat glands live. The dermis is where all the blood vessels are. The dermis is where the nerves are. Specialized parts of your skin produce hair and nails, and all of those are important for different reasons. But in general, it's multiple different cell types working together to create a barrier to produce hormones, uh, like uh, Dr. Jablonski talked about with vitamin D, and to produce sweat so we don't overheat. How do you know if your skin is healthy or not? That's a great question. There are all kinds of ways to tell if your skin is healthy. Getting a few freckles on your nose, that lets me know that you've had some sun exposure. As getting other sorts of sunspots, like little red blood vessels or little spots. But in general, if you're not itchy, if your skin doesn't feel dry, you probably have pretty healthy skin when you're young. And our goal is to keep it that way. Mm. Why do we need sunscreen, and is it really that important? It is important. We need sunscreen for two main reasons. One of them is that we want to prevent skin cancer. Because people of all different skin colors have moved all over the world, people are exposed to more or less sunlight and ultraviolet radiation than our melanin is prepared to handle. And the use of sunscreen, starting when you're young, can help prevent skin cancer when you get older. It can prevent sunburns, which are just painful. And that's sort of a, an indicator that you've damaged your skin and you're probably causing genetic damage to your skin. And that genetic damage is what eventually causes skin cancer. And the last one, and for some people, the most important one is that wearing sunscreen keeps you from looking older when you're young. Really? Yep. It's years and years of sun exposure that give us wrinkles as we get older. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's never too late to start wearing sunscreen. Are our lips like a different kind of skin? That's a great question. Yes. So every part of your body 
that interacts with the outside world, whether it's on your body or in your body, like inside your mouth, has what we call an epithelium. And an epithelium is a layer that keeps outside from inside. And those layers have different functions. Your lips are a kind of epithelium that we call mucosa. We call that skin on your lips mucosa because they secrete saliva and they secrete other mucus. And so it is a specialized type of skin on your lips. It's a different kind of epithelium that covers your eyes, a different kind in your mouth, and a different kind in your intestines and in your stomach. How does skin react over time? Yeah, it kind of seems like old people have really thin, papery, wrinkly skin, and then young people have this nice, plump skin. Yep. So we have lots of proteins in our dermis that hold our skin together. We have collagen, we have elastic fibers, and like it sounds, elastic fibers give your skin some stretchiness. And as we get older, we lose collagen, we lose elastic tissue, and a lot of the reasons we lose collagen and elastic tissue, I bet you know what I'm going to say. Is it the sunscreen? Is sun exposure. Are you going to tell us that we have to have sunscreen on our lips too? Well, you know, it is really important to keep our lips protected from the sun because we want to prevent skin cancer on our lips. You're listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back. Thanks to the Outpost Performance Space in Albuquerque, New Mexico, for hosting the Children's Hour. Support for the Children's Hour is provided by United Way of North Central New Mexico. Support for the Children's Hour is also provided by the City of Albuquerque's Cultural Services Department and the Urban Enhancement Trust Fund. Bernalillo County is a proud supporter of the Children's Hour. Many thanks to the users at tokenibis.org, who direct funds to the Children's Hour every week. This episode of the Children's Hour had special support from Sandia National Laboratories. Made you mad? Can I help you with that? 
Ayana Gregory from I Dream a World with the Welcome Back song. And over the break, you heard Our Lips Are Sealed. That's from Lullaby Versions of the Go-Go's. Today on the Children's Hour, we're learning about skin. This episode comes with a learn-along guide. You can find it at childrenshour.org. Look for The Skin We're In. We're speaking with pediatric dermatologist Dr. Adnan Mir at Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx, and he's also a member of the Society for Pediatric Dermatology. Hair and nails. Are hair and nails skin? They are what we call specialized parts of the skin. Just like we have thick skin on our palms and thin skin on other parts of our body, there are adaptations to the skin that grow hair and nails. And so they all come from the same basic part of your body. But really, hair is made out of bits of skin? Hair is made out of keratin. Ah. And keratin is produced by skin cells. So similar keratins to the ones that form the seal on your skin are the ones that make up your hair and give it its strength. This is probably one of those urban legends that we learn. Do we really shed all of our skin completely every few years where it's 100% all brand new skin? Every few weeks. What? Yep. No way. So we damage our skin a lot, right? And so the skin cells have to regenerate themselves. Now, there's a layer at the very bottom of the epidermis that is constantly replicating and pushing new skin cells out. And then they slough off. They become house dust. And then you have a new layer of skin. So when we're dusting our houses, we're really like dusting up ourselves, really? Partly. Wow. Yep. What causes bug bites, which I have currently experienced like 20 of them from a mosquito in the studio? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So when you get a mosquito bite, the mosquito uses its long snout, it's called a proboscis, to poke into your skin. The mosquitoes, you know, they stay alive by sucking out your blood. But we have this really cool system in our blood that helps clot the blood really quickly. And so mosquitoes inject something in as soon as they bite to prevent your blood from clotting. And that itches. There are blood cells in your skin, too, that start to release these granules that have itchy factors in them. It's that combination of the mosquito spit and the itchy factors like histamine and prostaglandins that cause the itch. And when you scratch them, you cause more release of histamine. And so you get into this vicious cycle. Hmm. Are there any ways to prevent pimples? There are ways to prevent pimples. Washing your face every day with a gentle soap can reduce pimples. But if you're somebody that's going to get acne, 
there are ways we can treat it and prevent more acne and get you to heal. Lots of medications, lots of special soaps and things like that. But we just sort of got to wait and see. It's not everybody's favorite thing. Why can't in a few weeks when our skin is replacing itself, why can't it replace all the pimples too? Why does it seem to like put them right back where they used to be? (laughs) Well, it does. You just get new ones. (laughs) (laughs) So I've heard of a condition called albino in people. How does that happen? So albinism, it happens in a few different ways. It's usually genetic. So every single one of us even though we're 99% the same, that 1% of difference is differences in our genes. The genes are what make your skin the color that it is, that makes your eyes the color it is. And in some people, one of a number of genes that is responsible for creating melanin, the substance that gives us pigment and acts as our natural sunscreen, is mutated. And so when you mutate it, you can cause all different levels of skin pigment loss from a complete lack of pigment all the way to just a little bit less pigment than normal. So it's really a genetic condition. Mm. Do you think that everyone should see a dermatologist? I do think that everyone should see a dermatologist. You know, as you get older, you're going to want to see a dermatologist at least once. And, you know, your pediatrician actually probably does a lot of dermatology. When they come to things that they need a little bit more expert guidance on, that's when they send their uh, patients on to a pediatric dermatologist or kid's skin doctor. Mm. Why did you become a pediatric dermatologist? That's a great question. I think it's really fun. Most of my patients are well. They don't come in very sick. And I'm able to help them in a way that boosts their confidence, in a way that helps them feel more confident going out into the world and interacting with other people. That's most of it. It really makes me feel like a doctor. Mm -hmm. Dr. Adnan Mir is a pediatric dermatologist. Thank you so much for being with us on the Children's Hour today. We learned a lot from you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. As soon as we're born, grown-ups check how we look. And they look up our color in the skin color book. If we're darker or lighter, they size up our skin. Cause they wanna know where we're gonna fit in. It's only a skin color, that's how we're made. It's only a skin color, what's all the fuss? It's only a skin color, all different shades, you too. Cause you're one of us. Come on, try it. It's only a skin color, that's how we're made. It's only a skin color, what's all of us? It's only a skin color, all different shades, you two. Cause you're one of us. Now racism happens when folks are afraid. And that fear gets passed on to us kids, so they say. Our parents who love us want us to go far. But our choices get fewer, the darker we are. Well, it's only a skin color, that's how we're made. It's only a skin color, what's all the fuss? It's only a skin color, all different shades, you two. Cause you're one of us. And most grown-ups know how this whole system works. It was set up by white guys with odd jerky quirks. No matter our color, let's all take a stand. Cause this skin color thing's gotten way out of hand. Well, 
Folks like less. This skin color thing makes the whole world a mess. Inside all our bodies, we have the same stuff. So let's all just decide that enough is enough. Well, it's it's only a skin color, that's how we're made. It's only a skin color, what's all the fuss? It's only a skin color, all different shades, you too, cause you're one of us. Tamara from Sharing the Same Stars. And before that, Peter Alsup and friends from Camping with Dads brought us Skin Color 
Today on the Children's Hour, we've been learning about skin, skin color, what skin is made out of, and we learned so much more about skin that we wanted to share with you in our Learn Along Guide. You'll find it at childrenshour.org. Look for this episode, The Skin We're In. We're going to go out with one more. This one about that specialty type of skin. Skin makes our hair. This is Fuch and Uncle Jumbo with my crown. We'll catch you next time for another edition of the Children's Hour. Ooh, I love my hair. It's your boy Fuch and Uncle Jumbo sending hair love around the world. Ooh, I love my hair. If it's curly, straight, long, shaved, it's time to represent. I wear my crown so proud. Gotta show it all around. I wear my crown so proud. Gotta show it all around. So many different styles. When I switch it up like wow. So many different styles. When I switch it up like oh. Shake it, shake it, brush it, brush it. Out loud, can't hush it. Hush. My style, I love it. Love it. My crown, don't touch it. Nope. Shake it, shake it, brush it, brush it. Out loud, can't hush it. Hush. My style, I love it. I love it. My crown, don't yeah. touch it. I wear my crown so proud. Gotta show it all around. I wear my crown so proud. Gotta show it all around. So many different styles. When I switch it up like wow. So many different styles. When I switch it, switch it, switch up. Waves, braids, hot top, fade, lace front, sewing, natural, laid, lock it, twist it, next day, might switch it, curls, mohawk, afro, go off, shave it, crochet it, make it your favorite, two strands, up do, do what you want to, love it, every way you Silk scarf and I'll wrap it I'm so smooth like satin Moisturize my head shining Shade butter my skin blinding That bling bling Royalty Melanin Majesty, all my oils essential. My curl type is official, man. I'm coming down, hair showing out, and I'm loud and proud like a whistle. Hot comb of that curling iron, Afro pickle. The Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit. You can find photos, links, learn along guides, and more about us at childrenshour.org. This episode of the Children's Hour was written and produced by me, Katie Stone, with help from our senior producer, Christina Stella, producer Eli Henley, and our engineer, Chad Shear. Gus Tafoya writes our transcripts, and Lorraine Archibald writes our learn-along guides. Find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, or go to our patreon.com slash thechildrenshour. Or ask your smart speaker to play the Children's Hour podcast. We post our photos and more on Instagram and Facebook. Find us at TCH Radio. Our theme music was written by C.K. Barlow. The Children's Hour is distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and by the Pacifica Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio.